Welcome to the Geekcentric Podcast, and welcome to our watch club for Star Wars The Bad Batch Season 2. Oh, for blast sakes, it's a toy. It makes you happy. And believe me, that is worth more than any jewel. Welcome back to Watch Club. My name is CTO831, but you can call me Hugs. And this is our Watch Club for Star Wars The Bad Batch, Season 2, Episode 1, titled Spoils of War, and Episode 2, titled Ruins of War. If you're joining us for the first time, well, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and Star Wars in general. So if you haven't watched this week's episodes yet, be sure to do so. And then come right back in less than 12 parsecs. Now, before we go hunting for an old man's treasure, let me introduce you to our experimental crew of ragtag troopers. And I, uh, I have been waiting what feels like forever to be able to say this again. First up, he's taller than a Jawa, smaller than Jabba, and as entertaining as Jar Jar, he's CT1231, also known as Edit. Reporting for duty, how are you? Ah, oh, good to hear you reporting for duty. Uh, listen, dropping in from the sky, way up high, we have the dopest, dankest dude on Dagobah, CT1006, but you can call him Joints. Ahoy, hoy. Ahoy, hoy. That is, I think that's a standard protocol for clones. Yeah. Ahoy, hoy. That's how you report, right? That's <laughs> the exact greeting that I would imagine someone dropping from the sky would say, Ahoy, hoy, as they land. Ahoy, <laughs> <laughs> hoy. Oh, my gosh. And listen, rounding out our small but mighty battalion, we are so glad to have our true friend and war hero joining us. And her name is CT0118 but you can call her Brushstroke. I'm so excited to start our mission. <laughs> it's a mission. Oh, my gosh. And I was saying this just before we started recording, but Omega, oh, I just I forgot how much I just love hearing her talk, like all the different words that she yeah. keeps saying. I just I just was like rewinding just to hear her like say like war, cra- war crate or whatever she <laughs> Do you remember something. when we first started the season, season one, and we were mm-hmm. like, oh, another annoying, like, uh, young character that's just going to be annoying and following along and bleh. I love her. She's <laughs> oh. great. She's great. I think all of our feelings have have come around for, for Omega quite a bit. Oh, I feel yeah. like it was a similar trajectory for a lot of folks with Ahsoka as well. I think it was yep. kind of a similar idea, right? And I think Omega... Season after season is only going to get stronger and stronger in our in our hearts and in our minds. But Batches, we are finally back for season two. It's been way too long. Darcy, I know you and I got hyped for season two at Star Wars Celebration. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. So before we dive in, and listen, I know this is a bit cheesy, uh, but what would you say this series means to you? And what are your expectations for this new season? I think that this series means a lot to me in regards to the fact that it's animated and it does hold its own in the Star Wars universe. Um, I know Clone Wars is that way as well for a lot of people. I know there's Mm -hmm. still a lot of people out there who don't think it matters, but it truly (laughs) does. And I think that this show also holds its own in regards to being absolutely digestible for children, but also 
you know, epic and mature at some moments. There's a moment at the end of episode two that I was like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, we we'll have and we had that. the like Wrecker episode in the first season when his chip goes off and that was like mm-hmm. really intense. So I I really love the the way that this appeals to all audiences, all Star Wars fans. Um, and, you know, as a character designer, illustrator myself, I'm obsessed with the art style of, you know, Star Wars animation. I love it even more. It gets better and better every single year. Um, so I'm excited to watch these characters transform in a new way with this animation style. Yeah, you know, echoing a lot of those sentiments, I think that... Oh, oh I see what you did there. Oh, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Um, animation and Star Wars have such a strong relationship, and I think the commitment, you know, with this series and the idea that they're telling new stories, and last year, towards the end, we, we got uh, Tales of the Jedi as well. So, mm. you know, there, yeah. there's, there's this, like, intrinsic relationship between anim- animation and Star Wars, and I love it because what it does is it further develops Star Wars as in the universe and it says in in many ways that it all matters it, it's all important it's it's all encompassing and I, I agree with Meg I think that you know while many will look at this as yeah it's animation it's for children you're starting to see how the live action is influencing the animation and vice versa mm-hmm. and I don't mean just on the literal sense of seeing characters show up across the board i actually mean in terms of tone in terms of of just the the darkness like like meg pointed out at the end of episode two i was actually a little bit surprised that they went that route that said i i think that this show at its core does continue the most consistent theme of star wars and that's family and what that looks like and uh, because Star Wars and the Skywalker saga is very much about family. I think we see that sort of carried throughout all of these different stories throughout the Star Wars galaxy of how family looks different. It it it's it is very much you know what we fight for, uh, what we protect, uh, and what we you know what we will sometimes succumb to uh, in moments of weakness when when we know it's threatened. So bringing all of that into this series, I think that that's very much what these first two episodes at least reminded me of, of, of mm-hmm. the sort of family that we have. Here. Yeah. And again, what I really like about the series is that it's exploring a, t- a time of the empire that we haven't really seen much of, like much of much like Andor, you know, following at the tail end of the empire's, you know, powerful reign before the battle of Yavin. And then here we are at the mm-hmm. beginning of that, you know, just after they've taken control of the whole galaxy. So it's a really, it's exploring a really interesting time in the galaxy. And I, that's what I love about this show is that we're getting little snippets into how the empire is rising to power and kind of taking control of all these planets that they used to just have a, a Republic presence on. So I, I, I love that about this series. And again, kind of, it's following right up after that Andor and still delivering some of those dark tones so that it is for all audiences. It's great. I, I, you guys said it best. This is a show about family and it's for all audiences and it looks amazing. So yeah, the show is so good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Found family for sure. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think as far as the look is concerned, we have a lot of clone wars, uh, season seven to thank oh, yeah. uh, for sort of you know heralding in I think Disney uh, you know getting getting officially behind uh, these shows uh, for me I went back and forth in in season one I started it started off so incredibly strong between the opening uh, and then you know the the season seven of of Clone Wars I felt like those were really high expectations set for me going forward with this series. Um, but I found that when we were doing our watch clubs, we had to keep reminding ourselves, like you were saying, that that the show was intended for a, a younger audience, and it still is. 
But like you're saying about the dark tones, I think it was, it's pretty dope. Th- this show was doing it before Andor. Uh, and, you know, I think Andor is celebrated for how dark it gets. And we talk about it constantly. We talked about it in that watch club. Uh, but to see it here, and I think, I don't know, I think it's just, it, it's great to see from from this part of the timeline, the perspective of these clones. And I think Omega was the wild card that I don't think any of us were expecting. Like we were saying earlier, like she she's grown on me quite a bit. Uh, and now I can't see the show without her. You know what I mean? Like she wasn't a thing that we at all expected going into this series. Uh, and, and sort of the mystery behind her uh, has always sort of been a, a, a really intriguing aspect about her character. Um, so I hope, I hope we get some stuff that they set up in the first season sort of addressed around that. Um, but overall, I'm just here to have some fun, which at the end of the day, is more important uh, than any jewel. Uh, But before we get trapped in a war chest, uh, let's get to this first episode. The episode opens with our Bad Batch on a tropical beach pulling a classic Jack Sparrow run uh, while running away from the local fauna, uh, a bunch of giant crab monsters. And we see Omega now with her longer hair as she drops her study break and assists the crew with her dope-ass bow skills. Then, back at Sid's bar... uh, Uh, We see she's just as charming as ever, and we're introduced to Fee, uh, the most trustworthy pirate Sid knows. Uh, And we learn that the package they stole from the crab planet was for her. Sid lets the Bad Batch know that their next mission will be on the Outer Rim, where they'll have to invade Castle Sereno, the former home of Count Dooku. She tasks them with nabbing some of the fallen Sith Lord's treasure. Initially, against the plan, Hunter eventually agrees to go after Sid, Uh, Sorry, to go after Sid tells him that the contents of just one of the containers is worth more than all the jobs she'd had them do combined. Uh, They could buy their freedom and have a future. And more importantly to Hunter, Omega could have a future too. So let's take a moment here. I want to talk about that opening sequence. Fantastic to see just how confident Omega is here. Uh, What do we think of both her and the crew's new look uh, and the introduction of Fee the pirate played by Wanda Sykes. Well, I thought this was a classic, you know, reintroduction to the Bad Batch. You know, they're they're on a mission, they're on a heist, and and, and things don't seem to be working out their way, and they're, they're trying to make a quick uh, escape. I, I really do love that in these, you know, very early moments of the episode where we're very quickly reintroduced to the Bad Batch, and we get to see how they've how they've grown and how they've become far stronger together. And and I think this is seen clearly with with how Omega is is seen in these moments. You know, they don't treat her like a kid. They're they're relying on her as if she is one of the Bad Batch. So it's so different from where they were and where we saw them leave off on Camino in season one. Um, as for the introduction of Fee, uh, Wanda Sykes' character, uh, very interested, very interested to mm-hmm. see who this character is and and uh, what she's all about. But but I love that that Wanda Sykes is voicing this character. I think it makes total sense. It's a perfect voice casting, and and I absolutely love it. Well, it's just so cool to see the Star Wars universe expand to bring in voice talents that you would never like I would never expect if you asked me who I thought was going to be in the next Star Wars project I wouldn't tell you Rhea Perlman and Wanda Sykes are probably <laughs> going to be two main characters uh in in a Star Wars project um but I think that's what's so awesome about these animated series is that anyone could show up and lend their talents to this massive ongoing story uh and I will say though the the most trustworthy pirate is isn't that it's kind of an oxymoron if you ask me? I don't, I don't know mm-hmm. about you. 
<laughs> it's also like a red herring. I, I don't know if she's going to be very trustworthy. Oh. Well, and since they mention pirate, I every time pirate's mentioned in the Star Wars universe, I immediately think of Hondo. Oh, yeah. Hondo? Yeah, Hondo. Hondo. So uh, I got a little <laughs> bit excited there. Um you know, for the possibility right. of even him being featured. He's in shown up though, point. right? He's not he's in shown this up ep- in animation. No, not in this series. No, yeah, no, he's in, in Clone Wars episode. and Rebels. Yeah. So yes, to yes, throw him course. in another animated no, that's, series would be I so think that's, cool. That's such a cool call out because it would be great if he showed up in this series. And with the Bad Batch, I can't imagine the kind of relationship oh, he would develop <laughs> with them and Omega. Ah, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, talking about the the introduction of the or reintroduction to the Bad Batch here. I mean, this is the footage we saw at Celebration. So getting to see it again, again, I have the same opinions as the first time that it tells you everything you need to know about these characters. With mm-hmm. even text throwaway little like dad role there, being like, "Oh, but you got to study," type thing, and and oh, going so forward good. to seeing how she's again become a full member of the team where they trust her to be able to hold hold yes. her own in these crazy situations again i think it's really cool to to show the progress in the you know however long it's been since we last seen these this group that they have you know made so much progress that they are a full-fledged team again it's yeah it was a you said a great reintroduction and again the character of fi i am so curious about and i can't wait to see her how her path intertwines with the bad batch going forward uh and shout out to to kevin kiner um, I know I talked about his music when we talked about Tales of the Jedi. I'm not realizing that he like pretty much does all the music for the animated Star Wars series. And when they're when we see the Bad Batch on that chest or that thing that they recover that they pull up with the like mm-hmm. cable, and they're all just standing there going up, and the the music is pumping, and I'm just like, let's go! Like, got me so hyped. The orange on their armor is fantastic. Like you were like you guys were saying, Omega is just part of the crew now. She's so much more confident. She's jumping from crab to crab without any hesitation. Whereas before, like you think of like when we first got her introduced, she was just afraid of like the littlest noise. Um, so just to see how far she's come. And then I just want to shout out, um, uh, I guess all Sith just get their own castles. I mean, we know <laughs> Vader has his own castle on Mustafar, but like it never dawned on me that Dooku would also just have a castle. Yeah, but he's in, well, I mean, he we've power. seen the castle, and we also saw yeah. the yeah. castle in Clone Wars. This is oh, where yes, he had exactly. his meetings on Sereno. Yeah. And this is more from him being a Count of Sereno than it is of him being a Sith Lord. It's oh, more, okay. he came with the position of power from the planet, not right. his you know tendency to be a dark dark force user. So you're saying right. Maul, Maul never had a castle, unfortunately. No, I doubt oh. He had a garbage pit. He, <laughs> he had a garbage pit. We saw his castle. Yeah, we saw his castle. We saw his castle. But that's such a good call out though, Darcy, is that, you know, obviously we have been to this to this uh to this castle before. And I think mm-hmm. it's more so in, in the next episode that we see the interiors that mm-hmm. were very reminiscent of of, of past episodes. Some moments that we've seen. Yeah. Yeah. But it was cool that they integrated that. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that they were able to find like a small little I guess pocket, if you will, where they could they could intertwine the Bad Batch into seemingly a, a main character in the in the saga and, and that's played a huge part in the overall saga. That's Dave Filoni, dude. That's Dave Filoni. Yeah. That's how his mind works. Dude. But at the same time, though, there is a head writer that is Jennifer Corbett, who we actually sat down mm-hmm. and chatted with. And, you know, that interview is going to be, be coming later. But, you know, she shared there's such an awareness and a hyper awareness yeah. of where they are specifically. Like, Darcy, like you mentioned, like they know where they are in the timeline mm-hmm. and the things that they can do. Mm-hmm. And they have the Lucas, 
Lucasfilm Story Group. Like they can they can really carve out where their story fits into the larger story without stepping on anything else. Well, and one of the things I love about this show specifically is that it's not riding on the coattails of like needing to reference things here and there and all over the place. Like the very first episode of season one, we got it right after or right as Order 66 was hitting. So it was very much like, okay, we're we're in a space that we know just from the point of view of totally different people. This season, it's now becoming about the Bad Batch and we Mm. get like... Easter eggs and little hints of things that are going on in other parts of the galaxy. So I really appreciate that. Um, like Darcy, you were saying, we're getting this whole new version of the the timeline that we haven't seen yet, a, mm-hmm. a section of the timeline we haven't witnessed. So I appreciate that. I was also really happy to see AZ uh, is working at yeah! the bar as a waiter. <laughs> I'm just happy AZ's okay. I, you know what I mean? Like, even though it was like for half a second, I'm just like, okay, you're good. Just, just stay there. Yeah. Don't go anywhere. You're good. <laughs> uh, don't need you to almost die again. Uh, all right, uh. let's keep going here. On the way to the castle, uh, which sounds like, on the way to the castle, um, <laughs> Echo attempts to convince Hunter that the funds they gather from the mission could be put to better use than just hiding. Uh, they could be used to prepare for a fight, meaning weapons and numbers. He mentions that their lives are the way they are because of Omega, uh, and that they should just be doing more to help those in need. Uh, and then we see little Omega, she's all sad, and she's hugging Lula, and I was like, I'm gonna cry! Uh, they touch down and traverse a mountain range, only to discover that the city that was there uh, was bombarded by the Empire just like Camino. Uh, while grabbing the treasure from the war chest. Of course, not everything goes according to plan, and Echo, Tech, and Omega get trapped inside one of the containers as it takes off. Hunter and Wrecker weren't able to get to them in time, but thankfully, Omega's studies paid off uh, as she remembers that the containers on a Class 4 freighter are equipped with re-entry thrusters. Thrusters, I'm saying it like her. Uh, which means they can escape in a cargo container. Uh, as they as they fire all the containers off, they fall through the air, and on the inside, we're left with a cliffhanger, no pun intended, uh, as to where they uh, might land or whether they might survive so before we continue to the next episode uh let's chat about this count dooku treasure uh i knew that he had style but this this raises a really interesting question of how the empire you know pays for the work they've you know they have to have done like i guess i never really thought about all these people who are employed by the empire what are your thoughts on this treasure and how do you think dooku was actually spending it well, I actually think the treasures are, are sort of an allegory, uh, similar to that of, of the treasures that someone like Adolf Hitler had. You know, he's stealing and reaping uh, mass mass amounts of, of benefits from other cultures and other treasures, and he's mm-hmm. stowing them away for p- potentially being able to, you know, uh, I guess, sell it off and, and, you know, hide or whatever. But needless to say, I think that there's a lot of parallels with that and the reason why he has that treasure, um, because I think it's more so for his own keepsake and to protect himself. But now the Empire is like, well, you know, it's very much like how I believe most of Europe was during World War Two at the at, at the end there. They were trying to collect a lot of that so that they could either get back what was stolen or maintain something of, of importance that has value. And I think that's very much what we're seeing the Empire here doing is there they realize that there's value there and that they could probably expense that. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I always saw that uh, like I saw this M- treasure as, you know, how he's funding all these droids. I mean, we see how quickly he goes through them. Anytime he sent them against Jedi, they get turned into mince 
like ex spare parts, no no questions asked. So, mm-hmm. I mean, funding a war against the uh, the republic would have been you know kind of taxing. So I can only see that's why he's amassing this wealth is so that he can pay for these troops to then send against the Republic. So it's crazy because he knows that his boss is the one that's killing all the droids. So why doesn't he go to his <laughs> boss and be like, yo, why is it coming out of my pocket if I'm killing all if you're killing <laughs> all these droids with your clones? Why don't you like fork out the dough? You get, you're the Galactic Empire, man. You're building this thing. Let's let's go. Like right? in my so. mind, he's got to pay maintenance staff to run the castle. You have to imagine that would be pretty costly. <laughs> the castle. Yeah, he's spending he's, he's, spending, he's yeah. spending so much money on sick robes and probably a lot of silver plating for his lightsaber hilt. Come on, man. He's not you. I know. Yeah, he's me. That's exactly. I'm, I'm yeah. Uh, silky robes and, silky and, robes, and shiny dude. hilts. All yeah, day. I can, I That's me. With, with maybe a little bit of, um, oh, gosh. Why am I forgetting his name? He collects all the lightsabers. Grievous. Grievous? A little bit of Grievous. Grievous cough? Yeah, little Grievous yeah. cough that goes cough. with it all. He's collecting all the sabers. Um but, but you know, I know Andor touches upon this, and as nerdy as it sounds, I think I would really love to know how the economy actually works for the Empire. Like, I just, I'm confused because I feel like if, if, if you know, if you didn't like how much you made and you tried to go for a raise from your boss, they would just fire you or kill you and replace you. <laughs> like, wouldn't that be what they would do? Like, they're, they're not, they're not worried it about getting like employees. seems like the Empire's am, am, ammo, like that, that, that seems very fitting. Right. For how the Empire would probably handle that. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So you just can't ask for a raise in this world. It's just <laughs> I don't know. I just I think I think what this showed for Count Dooku and the fact that he had such a treasure is that he was a hoarder and he mm-hmm. he was very much keeping things for himself. And he he's like, you know, for whatever purpose, either for value or to to kind of like use it as a bargaining chip of some kind, because I don't really think the droids are coming out of his pocket. I think the droids are coming out of the Empire's pocket and, you know. Palpatine's just, you know, slipping some funds to the other direction and, you know, basically funding the war on both ends, right? Well, I, th- well, I think that um, in Clone Wars, they talk about how the bank is sort of funding all of these droids out of the um, the Republic's pocket, but it's going, it's like, it's all so shady that... Um, I think you sort of see Padme start to figure stuff out nearing the end of the series because she's so involved in the politics side of things. Yeah, that banking clan, they uh <laughs> they they know right. they know what's what. That's right. You know what yes. 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 Uh but listen, before we keep talking about the banks and keep comparing uh, Darcy and I to Count Dooku with our collection of lightsabers <laughs> and our silk No, just robes. you, bro. Just you, not Darcy. <laughs> no, I'm Darcy in this because last time I visited yeah, no. him, I counted 94 lightsabers in his room. Okay? I don't know, man. 94? I've seen no. you in some silky robes, though. I've seen you in some silky robes. Okay, so. but I do want to just quickly mention, I do love how the Bad Batch are still using stun blasts on the regs. Uh, mm-hmm. After all this time, they're they're still doing that. The regs are still shooting with regular blast fire, but I think it just continues to show how they have an understanding that that these these troopers really don't have a choice in these fights, and they they totally get that. And I love that that's still something that's happening. There's one specific moment that I love so much in this episode that, as of late in these Star Wars series, we're getting like new clone or I guess stormtrooper deaths <laughs> because in the old movies you just see them go blah and they <laughs> shoot back and they fall off things and that's all you get. Yeah. I love when Wrecker stuns the one 
a stormtrooper and he just like face plants on the side of the building <laughs> and then so they drag good. him in. I was like, I laughed out loud at that moment. I was like, <laughs> yes, another weird death or well, I guess just stun, but another weird like pass out from a, a stormtrooper. I love it. That moment was giving me a uh, stormtrooper knocking his head off the door uh, in in uh, New Hope, I think it is. I can't yeah. remember which one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I so can't good. see through the visor. Oh my gosh. Um, I, I would love to say though, shout out to Echo for probably wanting to be a part of the rebellion, and I don't know if that's an Easter egg that maybe he will become part of the you know early rebellion as a throwaway line as that is of of how Echo might feel. Maybe that's a little light into wh- where he might be going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 very possible. I think we've talked about in Andor just how split up and separated these groups are and that, you know, they got to start somewhere. Um, but I also, just before we move on to the the next episode, which we got two episodes in one week, crazy. Um, I just want to say, I love how Omega studies actually help her in mm-hmm. this episode. And it really emphasizes how she's able to learn something different from all of her, all of her space dads. You know, she, <laughs> she shows in this episode between her courage and her, you know, sense of adventure from Hunter and Wrecker, her ability to be stealthy like Echo, uh, and then here with her knowledge of Class 4 freighters. It's just, it's so wholesome. They're finding ways to develop her characters into the best parts of the Bad Batch, and she's teaching them things along the way, and I'm just like, ah, it's just, it's so endearing. There was totally a proud dad moment, too, and Tech's like, oh, you're right. Good job. Like, that's the most emotion we're going to get from the tech-based, or like, how, you know... (laughs) You know, science-based yeah, he tech says, is. I'm That's impressed. the most emotion. Yeah, I'm impressed. That's the most emotion we'll get from him. And I, it's just like he is so proud to be like, yeah. That's because I said study, and it worked. Yeah. It was so. It's so cool. I love how they're again. They're really driving home that whole found family vibe. Vibe with the four dads or three dads now raising Omega. Dude. So good. All the dads. Um, all right. Well, listen. Let's keep going here. Thankfully. Uh, the re-entry thrusters. Oh, it is four dads. Jeez, I can't it count. is four dads. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I can't count. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking, was they're like, like the Ninja Turtles, though. Yeah. They're Hunter. like the Ninja Turtles. I, yeah. <laughs> um, Echo's, so, a per- Echo's a droid. He's not a dad. <laughs> oh, how <laughs> dare you? That's droid cyst. Um, all right, let's keep going here. Uh, so, thankfully, the re-entry thrusters on the container engage, uh, and Omega Tech and Echo crash land up onto the upper forest region of the planet, just barely hanging on to the edge of a cliff. Uh, they have to move because the Empire is going to come looking for them. That and... Uh, they haven't fully landed yet again, uh, with the container falling further down the cliff. Uh, this landing results in Tech almost getting nemicked, but thankfully, uh, what, too soon? Is that too soon? Is that <laughs> too soon? No, it's okay. <laughs> I wrote it down. <laughs> he almost gets nemicked, but thankfully, uh, it's just his right leg that gets crushed. Captain Wilco redirects their topside forces and commands his troop to bring a shuttle. After convincing Omega to leave the war chest behind, Tech, Echo, and her manage to find cover with Roma. Uh, who we learn is a survivor of the destroyed city we saw in the first episode. Omega says she wants to still go after the war chest, but Echo tells her she has to watch over the old man instead. Romar is working on restoring a Model 2 data core that contains a fragment of his people's history, not separatists, Serenian, to which Tech responds with, I never thought of it like that, and he proceeds to help him fix it. Further out, we get an epic moment with Hunter and Wrecker where they go full Bad Batch and turn a non-working Separatist tank into a rocket launcher as they push back Wilco's 
forces. So I know I jumped through a lot of the episodes. Let's take a moment here. What did we think of of Romar and his strange little hut? Uh, and also Tech's realization that Separatists were people prior to war. Uh, and then what did you think of that epic moment with Hunter and Wrecker? Let's talk about all that stuff. The interesting thing about Romar's story is that it kind of aligns with where the Bad Batch are. You know, they want to, they're, they're going against the grain of, of the Empire, of what they know. They are people. Uh, they're not the, the clones that, that everyone thinks they are. And I think that that very much allows Tech in, in that moment to see how the separatists, they, they, they're not all separatists by choice, mm-hmm. right? They're just separatists by just maybe based on who they're associated with, just like how they are. They're associated with clones, but they're not the clones. I really loved the military... Uh, portion of this episode uh, featuring Wrecker and Hunter. I thought it was it was tons of fun uh, as they like, you know, snaked through the castle, uh, you know, and they inevitably finding and locating and and reaching uh, tech. Their their dynamic uh, is is very interesting. And I I love that we got to see sort of in episode two, a, a divide and conquer story here, right? Like they're divided based on the circumstances. But you know, you get to see their strengths of how, as they work together, what that looks like. And uh, yeah, this one was a was a good follow up. Made it all worth it to hear to hear Wrecker say, "I make a pretty good tank." I was like, "Yes!" Like, <laughs> such a good line, such a record thing to say. Mm-hmm. I also just like how again just drives home how his specialty is making things go boom because he immediately saw a battery pack and he's like, "I know what I'm doing with that." <laughs> yep. This is perfect. Like it's it's so cool how like, again we're seeing. All these clones, like these four clones, have their specific roles in the group and how they work together to make magic happen. Also, I like how he picks up a tank thing and then the whole not like only using stun on the regs kind of goes out the window because he was just like, <laughs> we're getting backed into a corner. So, you know, the, the, the cuffs are coming off here. Here we go. Full on tank mode. So, uh, yeah, it was they were outnumbered, though. Yeah, it was an interesting moment where there again, no one like even Hunter didn't say like watch where you're shooting. It was just like, nope, we got to get out of here. So we will do whatever needs to be done to get out of here. So it's cool. Yeah, totally. The initial part of the episode when, you know, the crates falling, Nate, you quickly mentioned it there, but I immediately got Andor flashbacks. I was like, no, (laughs) Tech, you can't. Are you kidding me? Like episode two? Um, So I'm glad that that's all okay. And hopefully they fix his leg and he's going to be fine. Um, But yeah, I loved seeing them back in battle, back in combat, you know, um, Tech and Echo and Omega doing their thing and watching Omega try her best to do what's best for, I guess, their futures because she overheard the discussion in the previous mm-hmm. episode. It's like so heart-wrenching to know that that's her only motive. You know, she's the reason they're on the run. She's the reason they're not free, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. the way Sid said it. Yeah, so her her motive is to go, well, if we get this crate, then they'll be free. Like my my friends, my dads will be free yeah and i i love she's so cute when 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 romar shows her the toy and she's like yeah. so it's not jewels and i'm just like it's just like it's no, like Omega. season one when she felt the dirt for the first time and yes she's like, what oh, is this it's so good it's so good and then i think like we were talking about with with tech's interaction with romar you know you're, you're absolutely right justin in that it does sort of align his thinking with 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 them uh with the separatists and and just the idea that like 
you know, just to get to see him interact with the people from the outside world, it's nice to see him learning these lessons because I think there's a lot of moments that he's interacted with people from the outside world and they haven't really been the greatest and of they want to kill people, yeah. right? So, right. <laughs> so to kind of get these like lovelier moments with this character that initially were kind of put off guard by, it was just, I thought it was really nice. And then just with, with Wrecker and just completely blasting away at the regs, I will say again, you know, they've been using stun blasts this entire time. So I'm like, oh, shoot, he's firing like rockets at them. But if you pay really close attention, he's purposely blasting the ground around them, forcing them to, to die. I'm sorry. He shot a ship out of the sky. That thing exploded. No one got out of that. He they killed all survived. <laughs> pilot. He, he knew that. Listen, it's Spider-Man rules, Darcy. Don't ruin this for me. <laughs> no, nope. I saw an explosion. He died. Also, I mean, going more on that whole Romar thing, I think it's really cool because, again, the fact that they were Serenians first. And just because their leader decided to go separatist, they were all seen as these terrible people. But they don't, they again, didn't choose it. They yeah. didn't choose it. They were just their person in power made that decision for them. And they had nothing, exactly, they could do nothing about it as they were being, you know, kind of stolen from themselves just to fund his rise to power. It's, it was, it's a really, you know, interesting look into the people of, again, someone we don't really see. Cause before we just knew separatists and their home base was on Sereno. And we never really thought about the people who were there before this whole thing began. So it's, it's a really neat insight into that, you know, whole scenario. I, I like, I like that sort of, that sort of poetic alignment that, that they're able to do with, with their stories and allow tech to kind of see that, you know, he always saw separatists, but he didn't think that there's people like him on the other side where they didn't choose that. Also, um, I tried to look it up online, but I couldn't find the voice actor who plays um, that character. What's his name again? Sorry. Romar. Romar. Mm-hmm. Is it Hector Elizondo? Um, He's Joe on Princess Diaries. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the, the limo driver. And the moment this character popped up, I was like, wait a minute. Is that Hector Is that Elizondo? Joe? Um, I don't know if it is because I've Googled it and I've looked it up and I can't find his credit anywhere, but well, it it's not on the end like credits a... of the episode. Oh, maybe it has to be I didn't. I don't think I episode. paid attention to that part. One <laughs> the one part that I would one definitely moment. see it. <laughs> Hector Elizondo. It was Hector Elizondo. Oh, yeah. Right. Yep. Oh. My ear. I got an ear for that. Incredible. <laughs> wow. Oh, so that's great. That's so good that you, uh, you were able to pick that and out. And what that's series awesome. is he from again? He is Joe, the limo driver from yeah. the Princess Diaries movies. So Princess Diaries fans, get watching yeah. Star Wars The Bad Batch. Let's go. Let's hope he's in Princess Diaries 3. Yeah, I really, I really <laughs> anyway. hope so. uh, Anyways, let's keep going here. Echo gets back after scouting out the wall chest, uh, and they discover Omega's gone after the treasure herself. Echo immediately heads uh, back to the container to retrieve Omega, but is instantly discovered by some regs. They get sealed inside, uh, and then we see Omega's got a bag full of the shiny stuff. All too quickly, the regs start to attack and the container starts to fall further. After a touching moment where Omega admits to Echo that she heard what he said on the Marauder, uh, that, their, that their lives are like this because of her, Echo convinces her that she has to let go of getting the treasure as they quickly jump out of the container and it plummets to the ground. After one final battle, the crew survives with the help of Romar, uh, and as they leave, Romar tosses the toy to Omega and tells her to remember what he said about how her happiness is worth more than any jewel. And then back on the ship, Omega's still pretty bummed out about losing the war chest, but Echo reassures her that they made the right choice with her and that he'd do it all over again. So uh, that is the end of the second episode of 
uh, Star Wars: The Bad Batch, and uh, and I wanted to ask, like, do you think we're going to see Romar again? Uh, and you know, what did you think of this lesson for Omega? It's not quite the end of the episode, though, is it? Oh wait, you're right. <laughs> You're right. Well, you know I what? Sorry. I'm, I, too, I, yeah. There is one more thing, but I'm going to save that for our prediction segment. Thank okay. you for pointing that out, Megan. Uh, but the question still stands. What, do you think we're going to see Romar again, especially given that he's you know such a prolific uh, character actor? What was his name again? <laughs> Hector Alessandro. Hector Alessandro or whatever. Well, I think what you, you mentioned at the top of this episode, Nate, that you know with, with Wanda Sykes joining, you know they can get anyone. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they got someone like Hector to, to be in this, even if it is just this one role, because I think he's still served his purpose. He enlightened the Bad Batch, specifically Tech, with the way that they aligned or the way he saw the situation from Romar's point of view. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if he if he needs to, I don't know if he's going to, but I, I don't think he needs to uh, come back. I think he served his purpose. Yeah, I think that he was a really great highlight to this um, to show us that the people of this planet did not ask to be part of Dooku's reign and um, become part of the like negative connotations of separatism and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it was great to get that because even in the Clone Wars I, show, I don't think we ever, I, I don't think I even knew there was like a whole city behind that castle. <laughs> uh, maybe I just didn't pay attention, but um, I thought that was a really great way to highlight that part of this planet. Um, for Omega, I agree, Justin. I think that she learned what she could from him. If he's going to come back, maybe it's like at the end of the season and it's just like he pops back in and Omega's like, hey, remember, I still have your thingy. Or I don't know. Um, but I think that she's going to learn a new lesson in each episode. And I think this this season in particular will be about her growth with the Bad Batch, but also within herself to possibly set her up for some other series. And maybe we see her even more grown up in like the Ahsoka series. Oh. I, don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it's too soon for that. But. Hey, come on <laughs> <now>. Andor. Andor <laughs> season two, if they end up working with the Rebellion, I wouldn't be surprised yep. to see the Bad Batch pop up in that, in that area. Because again, we're all on that same side of working against the Empire before the Battle of Yavin, so. I mean, would, I honestly, I was wondering if we would see Andor in Bad Batch <gasps> at some point. Like, cool well, too. <laughs> I mean, we we did get to see, um, what's his name? Forrest Whitaker in, in uh, Absolutely. In, in Bad Saw Batch, Guerrera. right? Yep. Saw Guerrera, yep. so. Yep. I mean, that guy's in everything, but, um, <laughs> but I will say, um, you know, I, I think Omega, I think kind of learned the lesson of like, as long as they have each other, they'll be happy no matter what they're doing or how free they actually are. I think her her freedom mm-hmm. is just being with them. And I think that's a really lovely lesson. Um, I will say seeing both Omega and Wrecker with their toys on the ship afterwards, like Omega's playing with that optical illusion thing and then Wrecker's just grinning at his newly made gun that he absolutely <laughs> didn't kill. If you look really closely, Darcy, you actually see two ejection pods for the pilot shootout. I, I, you have to, maybe you weren't paying attention. No, um, I think that's but, a <laughs> but um, I will say Romar does give like a second look back at them and I got this feeling like, you know, why was he sneaking around in the forest in the first place? I got the idea in my head that he was someone of, of great importance to the people of Sereno. And I thought, like, it maybe he could be related to Count Dooku in some way. Like a long-lost brother of Dooku. I think he kind of looks 
like Count Dooku. I don't I don't know. He'd be the Damn. right age for it. <laughs> I would just I, it would be really interesting to see if we ever do get to see him again. Like the Empire is using him as leverage for the Bad Batch, um, especially if he does have a greater connection to Dooku. I don't know. I think that would be really cool. There was cool. some think, suspicious vibes from right? him. Cool. I but I, give I, you that. Like, <laughs> if, if he's going to come back, I like the theory that he's related to Count Dooku and he's in hiding because yeah. he doesn't know if the Galactic Empire is after him. And maybe that is a storyline where he remembers the Bad Batch and he seeks them out Mm -hmm. as like a sense like to protect him or for a mission that he can hire them for. Like, remember, they are they are for hire. So if if they are going to interact and if they are going to find a way to to continue his storyline, maybe it's through, you know, he hires them to for some sort of sense of protection or to find something or or something. And that's where it's made clear. I I dig the idea, though, that he's he's related to uh, he's related to Dooku. Dooku does have an older brother. I think (gasps) it's older. He has a brother at least named Ramil uh, and a sister who passes away in that kind of Ramil's turn to the dark side. Ramil. Sounds a lot like Romar. I've only ever read it, so. (laughs) Maybe he changed his name so no one would recognize yeah, it Yo, could be that. Guys, I don't. Uh, I never thought of it that way. But yeah, he is kind of shady, and the fact that he has again, Tech was surprised that he had that uh, data bank. Like, yeah. how do you have? Why would this he have? That? Oh, that's so, true. That <gasps> Whoa! Is, I mean, if he was someone, even if he wasn't related, he's, if you're he not wasn't right. Brother, <laughs> he was somewhere in the palace serving under Dooku by force or whatever, because he had to. I wouldn't be surprised about that. That'd be really cool to bring him back. And if we do go back, that'd be a very interesting storyline. Nate's celebrating like Wicket in, in the Force of Endor because he thinks he's right. Yeah. But I, I, it's a great theory, calling, I, and I would I'm love to see Dave if it right now. I'm if calling call Dave. it. If you call it, yeah, maybe him, Dave's like, damn, him. yeah. Oh, God, you couldn't Eight. get it past Nate. Um, okay, listen, listen, guys. We, we this this episode is a little bit longer for if you, this is your first watch club with us. Normally, these Bad Batch episodes are a little bit shorter if you listen to season one. But we got two episodes. We're you know just joining the Bad Batch again in a season two. We're hyped. Um, so listen, I have I've we have one more scene that I do want to use for for my predictions uh, segment, which is probably one of my least creative names for a prediction segment we've ever oh God. had on a watch club, uh, which is what's going to happen, batch. Um, so let me read out this final moment and then we'll ask the age old question. Uh, okay. In the final scene, we see Captain Wilco addressing Admiral Rampart as Rampart informs him that this, uh, that his intel was inaccurate. He tells him that it's impossible that Clone Force 99 was involved as they perished during the fall of Topoka City. He tells him a new report will be sent, one void of any mention of Clone Force 99. After Wilco says he won't falsify an official report, Rampart says he understands and that he will do it himself as he shoots Wilco dead. Uh, So what are your thoughts on Rampart? Uh, He seems to be only in this for himself. Uh, and we know what happens when, you know, members of the Empire stray from the overall mission of the of the Empire, you know, itself. Uh, with that said, what's going to happen, Batch? What do you think this means for Omega and our Clone Force 99? Um, I would like to point out the really intense death that we just witnessed. <laughs> Not only did he get shot by Admiral Rampart, but you see in this massive wide shot, the clone falling off the side of the platform. Oh, he I falls was like, off the, the ramparts of this base. <laughs> I mean, but oh. <laughs> come on, leave those jokes to Darcy. Justin. Come on. <laughs> but it was like yeah, chilling to watch lot. that mm-hmm. moment, and then mm-hmm. to see Rampart like put the blaster away and sort of look around and cool. 
done my job. Off he goes. That was so intense. I'm excited to see what his motives are throughout the rest of this season. Is he going to try to find the Bad Batch and get rid of them? Or is he just going to go like shove it under a rug, I pretending they don't exist, what he just said can't be true, because why would I fail? And I don't know. I'm, I'm intrigued. I, I think the it's hard for me to make a, 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 a prediction to my fellow batches, because I don't know if there's enough here. But I think what I really love about this, this last sequence is the tonal shift. Uh, you know, we, go, we get from like this sort of fun adventure episode right into like this dark, moody political thriller that, again, coming off the heels of Andor feels like Andor. Um, so I, I feel like at the end of uh, I, I feel like at the end of this episode, it's just it's just a reminder for us to at least that we're going to see some some darker moods, some darker things happen. And yeah, I think this is where I think Rampart's going to be definitely one of those political threads. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how his story sort of unfolds throughout the rest of these episodes, because obviously, yeah, he's there's there is a reason why he's falsifying these documents. But pretty much we just well, don't really know what's going to happen, Batch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it's interesting because uh, looking, going back and having looked through those credits to see who the voice of uh, Romar was, I also noticed that there were other voice actors for the clone troopers. So these are clearly <gasps> not clones. These are just troopers like we saw in the last season where they're just ra- like, you know, um, enlistment people who they brought in to fill up the ranks. And we're seeing the fact that how, you know, ca- like, Casually, he was able to shoot this clone commander. I'm wondering if this is the reason why we see less clones in the future is because oh. they are so, you know, set to following orders that the all this, you know, backstabbing and lying that happens within the Empire kind of forced them out because they wouldn't follow the orders of their superior. It just, it seems kind of interesting that that's almost what they posed in this situation where the clone that we knew was a clone, he saw his helmet off and everything like that was quickly cast aside by the empire. Once he said, I won't follow your orders. So very, very, again, chilling moment because we saw how we see how ruthless the empire can be in just this one little 30 second scene so i i'm excited to see what the season can bring if this is how they're going to handle some of the storylines or whenever we go back to the empire it will be a darker tone and you know exploring why clones aren't used anymore i I will just say i hope that as as you're pointing out darcy i think we were talking about it last season too uh during season one is that you know, the series is very much going to revolve around how they transitioned from clones to uh, to, I guess, enlistment uh, individuals that would 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 don the stormtrooper outfit. But, you know, again, at the end of at the end of um, season one with the destruction of Camino, it was pretty clear that that was the route that mm-hmm. we we're going. But I think as as you're pointing out here, you know, Rampart sort of ability to just this thing is, you know, this this is a clone. It's expendable. I'm getting rid of them. It might give us a little bit more of an insight as to what this season could unravel with how they start to maybe get rid of clones, decommission the clones, so to say. Mm. There you go. That's the that's the military word. Well, <laughs> before 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 we get decommissioned and run out of time, um, <laughs> let's get to our overall thoughts and final score. Which uh, for these two episodes, we'll be rating them both together on a scale of one to five bags full of the shiny stuff. One to five bags full of the shiny stuff. I, she's so excited when she says it. I was, I was like, oh, my heart. Uh, Megan, why don't we start with yourself? So 
I came into this season with an open heart. I knew even if it was just one journey after another, just one mission after another, (laughs) um, I was going to love every single second. And it did not disappoint. From the very first opening sequence on that beach, I was immediately hooked. I loved seeing Omega in her, you know, a little bit more aged. She's got a little longer hair. She has full use of that bow and is learning more and um, really absorbing the life that she has chosen with the Bad Batch. Um, I love seeing all of their relationships mingle and see how each one works together differently. I'm hoping that they split them up more on these journeys, but it becomes different pairings of different Bad Batchers with Omega and vice versa. Um, and I am i never thought I'd say this, but I'm very intrigued on the political side of oh. Rampart and how he is going to move forward from here. Somewhere so, George Lucas is just cheering his, he's his like, little, he's like me. Yeah. Finally. <laughs> he's like me, like, you know, dancing like Wicked over here. That's absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, and I think this is going to happen for every episode. That's what I'm predicting. <laughs> I am giving these two episodes a five out of five. Bags full of the shiny stuff. All right, all right. Okay, Darcy. Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of the same things Meg said about coming into this. I Even if the last episode had some ups and downs, I still enjoyed the whole overall story. And this these two episodes pick up right with all the action I'm looking for from this series, as well as that, those heartwarming moments and some comedy. I mean, I never thought I'd feel bad for a clone trooper, but you mentioned the one who fell on the back there. <laughs> what we didn't mention was when they were going back into the uh, that, that crate when they were trying to make their escape, he is just coming out of it having woken up from being stunned and gets stunned a second time and it's like oh that guy is just gonna have a worst hangover ever when he gets up the next time so i mean the fact that i'm able to go back and look for these fun moments i'm just so excited for what this season is going to bring and like meg said this is going to be a a solid five out of five bags of the shiny stuff because it it hit all those boxes that i was looking for from a a, a bad batch season opener so I'm, i'm so thrilled and so stoked for what comes next all right batches justin how about yourself well, my fellow batches have have said much of the same sentiments, and yeah, this was a great re reintroduction to the characters we 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 know and love from the first season. We we see them more evolved right off the bat, just through their actions, through their relationship, through their conversation in these first two episodes. And I love that you know the episodes are very mirrored in a way where you have something that is uh you know typical job heist which is the first episode and then the second one is becomes the adventure of how things you know don't ever go as planned as you said nate and the adventure that follows and and maybe the people that they meet and the the things that we love about this show that makes star wars so interesting because we've spent so much time talking about romar who has such a small part but he could mean so much more to the rest of the story and that's what's that's what's fun about star wars like that's why we do this all the time is because we love that part of 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 it so you know i think these two episodes are very complementary to one another that do give us a very full round experience of what is the best parts of Bad Batch. For that reason, I'm going to give these two episodes a solid 4.5 out of 5 shiny stuff. (laughs) Close enough. Close enough. Shiny stuff. (laughs) Shiny stuff. Yes. There you go. You know what? You batches. I'm just going to call you all just the the (laughs) biggest batches. Uh, For myself, I... I should have expected that this re-entry point for Clone Force 99 
couldn't possibly live up to the insanity that is moments after Order 66. So with that said, I think they kicked off these two episodes. I thought it was pretty good. Um, I still got hype moments from the theme kicking in for the first time. Uh, We got some really great character moments between (coughs) all these characters and moments of them learning from each other uh, and and learning, you know, with Omega. Um, I guess I was just hoping for a little bit more set up with the stinger at the end of the second episode with Rampart. I, it just kind of confirms something that we already knew, which is that Rampart is a really bad dude. Uh, and it sets up the idea that he's going to be a problem going forward. And don't get me wrong. That was epic what happened. Um, but I just don't know if it was enough to like get me to a place where I was like, okay, I need to know what is happening right now in the next episode. Um, but I will say as far as a two-part premiere, this is better than some of the stories of the week-style episodes that we had from last season. Uh, but it certainly doesn't reach the highs of the first season premiere. So, And here's the thing, Batches, okay? I was ready to give this a 3.5 out of 5. But Nate, I, I know, listen, <laughs> after talking to all of you and having so much fun with these watch clubs, and this happens from time to time, um, I'm going to raise that up to a solid four out of five bags full of the shiny stuff. So Omega is still going to be okay. We can still, you know, in, in our version of the timeline, buy the batches their freedom uh, and they can go live on that island with all those crabs. That is it for the first <laughs> episode of this uh, season two premiere for Watch Club for Star Wars The Bad Batch. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Watch Club. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts, if you haven't already. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts or predictions on the shows we cover in Watch Club, well, you don't have to attempt to steal an old, dead, pajama-wearing Sith Lord's treasure only to get stuck in a flying container causing you to break your leg upon crashing into a planet where another old man will introduce you to the magic of toys. Instead, Justin, can you let the beautiful rags know where they can reach us by hollow message. They can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or they can reach out to us on Twitter at geekcentricyt or on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. Keep in mind, we have a ton of other interviews covering the latest and greatest movies and shows out now, uh, like our spoiler-free reviews for maybe some things you might have missed last year, National Treasure, Edge of History, Episodes 1 and 2, uh, as well as our review for the series, the Willow series on Disney+, Plus, uh, or even Glass Onion, a Knives Out story on on Netflix, and we have an interview coming up very soon. Uh, as we we may have sort of mentioned or alluded to, we did get a chance to sit down with the Bad Batch themselves, D. Bradley Baker, uh, and Justin had the chance to sit down with Supervising Director Brad Rao and Head Writer Jennifer Corbett. Uh, so make sure you check out that interview when it comes out, hopefully soon. Uh, pretty soon from now on YouTube at youtube.com slash geekcentric. You can check out all of our interviews there. Click all the things. Click that bell. Like and share the videos. And leave the podcast a five-star review if you're enjoying our content. And, and maybe even leave us a written review uh, if you want to let us know how you're enjoying uh, this watch club. we got a lot coming at you in this new year that is 2023. It's a whole new era of Star Wars conversation here at the Geek Centric Podcast. Justin. Darcy, Megan, thank you so much for joining me for this Watch Club. And as we say, good good soldiers, soldiers, follow follow orders. orders.